0: How y'all doing this morning? Oh man, it's going to be a long morning. (laughs) Y'all doing all right this morning? Praise God, I'm so excited to be here today. Um, Joe, wherever he dipped off to, thanks man for inviting me to come again. Um, Can you all just take a moment and let's praise God for you all's pastoral staff here at Renaissance. (laughs) Pastor Eileen be praying, This it's a tough crowd this morning. Now listen, um, you all, where, where I go to church at, it's only a few people in the room, but they get loud. So in quiet places, I get a bit uncomfortable. But the thing about me is if I get uncomfortable, I might come get in your face. So... <laughs> let's not make me uncomfortable today. I want to take a moment to thank God for you all as pastoral staff because to have a lead pastor that has been on sabbatical for, you know, any amount of time, there's been weight that's been shifted. And so I don't know if there's intercessors in the room that have been praying for you all's pastoral staff, but just the weight that they've been carrying as far as responsibility is concerned is one thing. But the way that they've been carrying the weight spiritually for the people have been another. To have a staff that the pastor is comfortable with leaving for three months, that's amazing. So please, let's praise God for you all's pastoral staff. Amen. (laughs) I want to take a moment and pray. Um, we don't have to invite Holy Spirit in the room because he's already here. And when Holy Spirit's in the room, uh, things tend to change a little bit. And so I just want to take a moment to pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for your presence. God, I thank you that your presence is here to transform, transform our lives. God, we don't want to leave this place without touching the hem of your garment. God, I pray that if there's people in the room whose, whose lives may be broken, those who may be hurting, God, I pray for healing in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that your presence would make us whole. Make us whole from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um,. My name is, of course, you know, you heard it, Jameson Wheeler. Um, I started pastoring a little bit ago in 2020, and it was really weird that God would call me the pastor in the time that he called me the pastor because I was in a place transitionally in myself to where, um, if I can be blunt, I was tired of church. I was tired of doing the Sunday morning church routine thing. I was reading a scripture in the book of Matthew, and the scripture said that the traditions of man have made the word of God to no effect. Think about that. The the word of the Lord is what framed the universe we have. I mean, God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And if there's one thing that can make the word of God not have power, it's our traditions. When we come to a place void of purpose, void of why we hear, here, void of why we worship, void of why there's a word being preached. And so I was in a place myself where I was like, I'm tired of this. I can't keep coming, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And, you know, that's what they say is the definition of insanity. But truth be told, I was coming to, I'm going to make sure I don't talk about nobody personally today, okay? I'm talking talk about myself. I was coming to a place over and over and over again, and I wasn't expecting anything. So I began to seek God as a pastor. It's like, why are we doing this? What is this thing that we're doing? You know, this thing called church that we're doing. You know, in the the book of Matthew, in Jesus' earthly ministry, he mentions the word church three times. But Jesus, when he came, his message was kingdom. In the book of Matthew alone, 54 times he mentions the word kingdom. So that should tell me something. There's something to be said about church and kingdom. And so here on the beginning of this, I'm going to make sure I keep up with the time here because I can be long-winded. And so somebody's going to have to come and get something for me. I didn't eat nothing. I drank some coffee. Uh, I would say I'm wired, but I'm clearly focused because, you know, coffee kind of brings me down. That's a dangerous thing. So when I think about church, the first thing that comes to my mind is Sunday morning. There's this thing now, and this is the only time I'm going to do this disclaimer because we don't have a lot of time. I'm not saying anything that I'm getting ready to say to bash the church. The church is the bride of Christ. And so I would be stupid into bashing Christ's bride. If any one of y'all say something crazy about my wife, we fighting. So I'm not, I'm not bashing the church at all. What I'm saying is, is maybe we need to think about how we do this thing called church. Because when I think of church, the, the the Sunday morning thing, I think of this structure. And for the purpose of this message, we're going to call it the institutional church. It's the man-made church. The man-made church is divided into sections, right? And this is not bashing these sections called denominations. But there are, I got some stats here real quick. I just, I, I can't escape this here. There are somewhat over... In the United States alone, where would it go? In the United States alone, there's something like, I don't know what happened to it in my nose, but there's something like, there it is, there's something like 200 Christian denominations. 200. In the world, there's 45,000 Christian denominations. Each denomination, you know, Catholic, Methodist, Episcopal, African Methodist, Episcopal, Baptist, White, black, white Baptist, Missionary Baptist, Black Baptist, Kojic, uh, Church of God in Christ, all kinds, of Pentecostal, Apostolic, all of these denominations, they're, they're good in essence. Because man, doesn't, man can't create everything that's just all bad, so I'm not saying that it's all bad. And go, it's good in essence. When we think of denominations, they bring structure, but when I think of the way Jesus would do something, I don't think Jesus would divide his bride. I'm not saying denominations are bad. Here's where we get in trouble, right? When we think that our denomination is the only den- denomination that has it right. So, for example, right, there's a denomination, I ain't going to say nobody' background, because some people may come out of these backgrounds, but there's a denomination that says, uh, when I'm baptized, if I'm not baptized in Jesus' name, I'm not saved. And there's another denomination that says, well, when we baptize, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so, the the division is in the... Uh, tradition. The, the vision is, is in the way we do things, right? When Jesus is not coming to look at the way we do things, he's looking at the heart of why we do it. And truth be told, you know, the, Bi- the Bible says that in Jesus lies the fullness of the Godhead. So if I baptize in the name of Jesus, it's still the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. If I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, it's still in the name of Jesus. And baptism doesn't save me anyway, and so to be divided on those stance, or or what about the, 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 the thing of women can't preach, right? There's people who will say, I can't work with you because there's women in your church that preach. That's not of God. And so when we take these denominations and we take these structures, if we're not careful, we'll build a structure with God on the outside. And church, let me tell you something. What are we doing if we have a church or a service with God on the outside? Isn't that why we come? And so when I think of church, when I talk about kingdom church here, because uh, any of you all that were here back in June, this was something that was said. The church is the most powerful organism in the earth. And the enemy, our enemy, we do know we have an enemy, right? Church, we have an enemy. His name is Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. I know, you know, we don't like to talk about it around October time, you know, spooky stuff. We ain't going to mess with that, right? But if the enemy can come and bring division in the most powerful organism in the earth, wouldn't it seem like he won? But we serve a, we serve a God who tells us that our foe, our enemy, has been defeated. And so when I think of church, I think kingdom. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12 real quick. I'm going to rely on the screen because I want to keep moving today just for the sake of time. All right, this is what it says. It says, then a demon possessed man who was blind and unable to speak was brought to him. He healed him. He's talking about Jesus. So that man could both speak and see. Look at the miracle that took place. This is weird to look at myself up here. And all the crowds were astounded and said, perhaps this is the son of David. When the Pharisees heard this, they said, the man drives out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Let's keep going, keep going. Knowing their thoughts, he told them every kingdom, watch this, every kingdom divided against itself is headed for what? I'm just doing this cuz I want to make sure nobody sleep and no city or house divided against itself will stand if Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself, how then will his kingdom stand? Or for the sake of this, I'm going to say be effective. And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, who is it that your sons drive them out? So Jesus is mostly throwing out your mama jokes, right? Well, if I'm driving out de- <laughs> for this reason, they will be your judges. I'm going to stop right here real quick. So Jesus says if a kingdom is divided against itself, it can't stand. It can't be defective. If the church is divided fighting against itself, fighting with one another, bickering with one another over little stuff that don't even matter, or excuse me, my English, that does not even matter. Then how will the church be as powerful as the church is supposed to be in the earth? Because, see, this is the thing, right? The word church comes from this, and, and Pastor Jeff prayed it this morning. It was so amazing. I got chills when he was praying. The church in the Greek is called ekklesia, which is essentially a governmental term. And it means it's a people that have been called out from one place into another for the purpose of governing. Now here's Joe where we get stuff a little twisted, right? Because we think politics when we think governing. Politics is the system that we use to pick those to govern. But once government is put in place, the government is there to govern, politics aren't involved anymore. And so God then says for the church, we've been called out of the world into the kingdom of God so that then we can govern the world with the laws of heaven. How amazing is that? We get to govern the world with the laws of heaven. So here's where, and, and whoever's doing the screen back there, I'm so rogue right now. We're, here's where this thing gets exciting. So when I think of church, this is what I think, this, this acronym, right? It's called Christ's Headquarters Under a real-time connection with heaven the church c-h-u-r-c-h christ headquarters under a real-time connection with heaven and i'm going to go back and back some of this stuff up with scripture but i'm just going to jump one place really quick so when i think of headquarters i think of an embassy and when you have an embassy a u.s embassy on foreign soil Every uh, inch of land that that embassy on is no longer governed by the laws of that land is governed by the United States. So if you were over in Africa somewhere and there were some laws in Africa that had, you know, I'm going to make some stuff up because I don't know anything about the laws in Africa. But if you had laws over in Africa that said, hey, you can't worship here. And the U.S. Embassy says where there's freedom of worship. So that law doesn't apply where the embassy is. So let me make this make sense to us. When there's a heavenly embassy in a land. The laws of that land are not what apply. Sickness is illegal in heaven. Disease is illegal in heaven. And so when we come together as Christ's embassy, in this room when we're together, sickness is illegal. Because we're not governed by the laws of this world. We're governed by the laws of heaven. And so if there's any brokenness in this room, let me declare this to you today. Christ is here, and he's the healer. He can heal you. If there's any confusion in this room, let me encourage you today. Christ is here, and he can clear up all confusion that may be there. So here, let's, let's, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, and then we'll, we'll start moving pretty fast here. Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, how crazy are these people to say that Jesus is John the Baptist when they saw Jesus and John the Baptist in the same place? (laughs) But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered him, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. Whoa, revelation. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my. Whoa. So now we're talking about church. On this rock, I will build my church and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. That's exciting. I will give you the keys of what? So the church has the keys to the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, this is the evidence of those keys, right? Whatever you bind on earth will be; is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. So, what is he saying to us? He's saying to us that as the church, as the body of Christ, we have the ability to call heavens already done into earths not yet. Oh my God. Whew. That might be that coffee kicking in. (laughs) So Jesus says on this rock, I'll build my church, right? A lot of people, you know, there's some debate talking about, you know, the rock being Peter. And there's a whole denomination, or set of people that think, you know, Peter was so special because of, you know, this revelation that God has given him. But I want to challenge us with this thought here. The rock is not the person. The rock is the revelation. The revelation that was released is Jesus. You are the son of God. And so that is the foundation of the church. So if the church believes that Jesus is the son of God, born of a virgin, died on the cross, rose again three days later. Guess what? We family, white, black, Asian, Pentecostal, Methodist, whatever it is, we family at that point. And not only are we family, but we're soldiers together in a fight, not in good or evil, but we're in a fight for the souls of people. So this rock, this word is Petrus or Petros or however you say that. but, But I was reading it, so I know what it is. I just don't know how to say it. Petros or petrus, And what it is is it's a bunch of little rocks built up on one big rock. So it's okay for us to be individuals. It's okay for us to worship differently. It's okay for some people to sing hymns and some people to sing contemporary. But the thing that matters is as long as we're on the big rock, Then we are that kingdom church that the Bible says the gates of Hades or the powers of hell will never overcome us. We will never be overpowered because of the rock that we're, uh, you know, that we're firmly founded on. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is. Some of y'all have been to church before. Great. Here we go. So kingdom church. Let's keep moving. Oh, man. Christ. Number one, Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, this is what it says. Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So the number one thing is that the church is the body of Christ. We belong to Christ. We were once dead in sin, but because of the blood of Jesus, Amen. we've been purchased by God, and so now we are the blood-bought property of Christ. The church does not belong to a man. The church does not belong to a woman. The church does not belong to a pastor or an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or a teacher. The church solely belongs to Christ. It's the property of Christ, and anything outside of that is not the church. And so if the church is being ran by uh, people who are not submitted to God, that's the next point is under. But if the church is being ran by people who are not submitted to God, matter of fact, that's the first, I think, requirement of any leader in the church is that you've submitted yourself to the Lord. And so when God speaks, you listen, if I make a plan and God says, do something different, I'll throw my plan out the window, even if I planned it for a year because the only thing that matters is that I'm submitted to the one who has bought me and because of that then the whole purpose of the church is to reveal Christ however it's done the primary agenda is of the kingdom is to reveal Christ so that's the only ad- agenda of the church. This then causes us to cross denominational barriers. That's why you can have a guy that's non-denominational go to, go to a place that's Baptist and we can, we can all, you know, fellowship and worship together because of this one purpose then crosses those denominational barriers and, and lines. Number two is headquarters. We were not called to build simple temples and synagogues. Matter of fact, we are the temple of, of God. So we haven't been called to build temples and synagogues. We've been called to build embassies. These embassies now get, as an, as an embassy, the whole purpose of an embassy is, get, is to get instruction from the main source of communication and then carry out that assignment into the land that that embassy has been planted. And so, if there's a church indicator, the whole purpose of the church indicator is to carry out the agenda of heaven and hell society in indicator. And so, when there's a city that has been um, um, uh, over flooded by violence and all kinds of stuff like that, there should be some instruction from heaven that the church is carrying out that will then combat. The forces of darkness that will cause violence to to spread throughout a land. That's the church's assignment. That's not the police's assignment. The police are only supposed to go after the fact. The church is the only entity that can go in and deal with the heart of an individual that will cause the heart to be transformed in such a way that violence then begins to slowly go down because people's hearts are changing. You can't expect people's actions to change without a heart change. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus says to the disciples, um, no, no, I'm sorry, John sends to Jesus, his disciples, and they begin to ask John, are you the one that we've been preparing for? Now, if you know anything about John the Baptist, his message was repent because the church is coming. No, he said, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so they're asking Jesus, are you the one that's bringing us the kingdom? And Jesus then says to John's disciples, he says, well, go back and tell John what you've seen. The blind receive their sight. The dead live again. The lame walk. This is evidence that the kingdom is present. So let me, because we'll get caught up in that stuff, right? Well, when the last time I seen the lame or somebody get in, out of a wheelchair in the church? No, no, no. That's not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is when a life is transformed. So when's the last time you said God transformed me in that service? Jesus, you transformed me. When, when we began to worship, I had an encounter with you that transformed me from the inside out. There was a, a way that I was thinking. There was a pattern that I was going in. And in that moment, you transformed me. Under, under. This is a term of submission. I'm going to keep going for a second time. So so, But in Matthew chapter 7, he says, you know, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom, but only the one who does. Somebody says, Say, does. Not sits. (laughs) Not only the ones who sit in the church on Sunday morning (laughs) and come and lift their hands in worship. Not all of those who cried out, Holy, (laughs) when the worship team was singing. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom. It's made up of those who do the will of my father. Now, I got to keep going because I could stay there for a while. But that submission is tied to obedience because, you know, uh, you can't say that in your heart we're submitted to God, but my actions won't show it. I can't, I can't say that I'm submitted to God. And when me and my wife get in an argument or, or, you know, proper English, when my wife and I get into an argument, then I have a problem with apologizing. How can we go in the presence of God, have a problem with a person, and leave the presence of God and act like we ain't doing nothing wrong? The kingdom of God is manifested by transformed hearts. And so, and so as, a, as an agent of the kingdom, I'm being transformed every day. God has to work on my heart every day because I can be stubborn. And my wife can be a little bit more stubborn than me. <laughs> but I still got to apologize first. It always works like that. But let's, let's keep moving. In Matthew chapter 6, we find what a lot of people call the Lord's Prayer. I don't like to call this the Lord's Prayer. I know that's the title at the top of the Bible, but I don't think Jesus prayed like this. I think Jesus, this is the disciples' prayer. This is how he taught us how to pray. And there's some denominations that say if you don't use these exact words, you haven't prayed. But anyway, we don't deal with that. Matthew chapter 6, we see God, Jesus give us this, this model or this outline of what prayer should be like. So he says, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, forgive, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this brings us to our last three points. Now, the the first of the last three is real time. Real time. Could you could you just take a moment with me and imagine Jesus um, doing whatever he was doing when the Pharisees and this crowd of people brought to him this woman that was caught in adultery. And and Jesus gives this woman the same message that he gave the woman who touched the hem of his garment in the crowd. Can you imagine what that would have been like if they brought the woman to in front of Jesus and Jesus turned around and said, well, this worked last time. Who touched me? <laughs> or, or could you imagine if when the woman who touched Touched the hem of his garment when she presses through the crowd. Then Jesus turns around after she touches him and says, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus understood that he had to be in the moment as the as the 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 embassy or the headquarters of Christ there's there's something that we have to understand about being in the moment Jesus knew especially in that moment with the with the big crowd he was on his way to some to his friend who was dying right so if he had a said Lazarus come forth in that moment he was ahead of time but he was on his way to go and deal with his friend who was sick and in that moment, in that moment, she touches the hem of his garment, and Jesus stops the entire crowd for one woman in one moment. People of God, we've got to know that there are people who don't need to hear Sunday's sermon on Tuesday. Oh, well, I'm just going to play you with Pastor Jeff preached. No, no, what is God saying to you as an individual? To your coworker who needs a real-time touch from God in that moment, what is God saying? Is God saying for you to invite him to come to church, or is God saying this work, this work can wait? This person needs me in this moment. The connection has got to be real-time. Then that pushes us. Then to the connection. Jesus says, um, um, I believe it was during the week of of passion, he goes into the temple and he gets an attitude, right? And he starts flipping over tables and stuff. Because when he went into the synagogue, he saw that the church wasn't what what it was supposed to be. What was going on was not what was supposed to be happening. He saw that they were selling stuff and he says, my father's house is supposed to be a house of Hello? Prayer. (laughs) Prayer. (laughs) He said, my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. Now, when we think prayer, a lot of times we think of how much time we spend talking to God. Prayer is a connection, though. In prayer, God should have something for me. It's a community. That's why the scripture says, pray at all times or pray without ceasing, right? Well, I know you're not in your car with your eyes closed. I hope you're not in your car with your eyes closed on your knees praying to God. No, but to be prayerful means that I have this constant communion with God and he hears the cries of my heart and he began to speak to my heart. Because, you know, to speak to our ears is a really low form of communication for God. And so God then begins to speak to our heart, and then what he tells us, that's what we carry out. That's what we do. And so this connection with heaven is the most important part of an embassy. I have an uncle that served in Vietnam. And when he passed away, when my uncle passed away, they read to us um, his his uh, uh, medals. They talked about his medals that he earned in Vietnam. He was like 16 or something over in Vietnam. I don't know how that worked out that way. I don't know what our government was doing at that time. I think everybody smoked weed then. had a 16-year-old over in Vietnam fighting, and and during his time of service, at that time, they didn't give the, and I believe the highest, if there's military people in here, you can correct me, but I believe the highest um, esteem is like the, the Medal of Honor. Is that right? Well, they didn't give that to black soldiers back then. And so he had a silver medal, and when they began to talk to us about, or when we read what he did for his silver medal, they said that there were two times where his unit was under fire by, by the Vietnam people. They were ambushed. And the, the first thing that the enemy did was cut off their lines of communication. And so they could not go back or, or communicate with the people at the main base to come and send them reinforcements. And so what, what they said my uncle did was, of course, I wasn't there, y'all. It's Vietnam, so I think that was back in the 70s. I was born in 1990, all right? So what they said my uncle did was is he went across the enemy lines and he restored the lines of communication while fighting off some... This stuff sounds made up, but I promise you it was in a newspaper article. <laughs> He went across enemy lines and restored communication while they were shooting at the enemy at the same time trying to restore the lines of communication and was able to get the lines back up so that they can get reinforcement from heaven. I mean, not from heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Now we know where I was going, right? (laughs) So that they can get reinforcement from the rest of their soldiers. And that was that was able to rescue the entire unit. Communication is important. The connection is important. If we're not connected with heaven, what are we giving people? If we're not connected with our main base, what are we giving people? And that's the last thing, to be connected with heaven. The laws of heaven are what apply to the church. When we try to use the laws of this land to govern and bring out the rule of heaven, um, let me read this right. When we try to use the laws of this land to govern or bring about the rule of heaven, we are operating outside of our jurisdiction. You, you all have seen SVU, right? And when they try to go to Chicago, they have to get a special, you know, special uh, permission to do that. Well, when the, when the church, as the body of Christ, when we try to use the laws of this land to bring about the rules of, of, the rule of, of heaven, we're operating outside of our jurisdiction. Um, <laughs> I was going to try not to be controversial, but I guess that's what this moment is. So if our main purpose, when we go to vote and stuff like that, we want to vote in laws of morality, we're missing the point. How are we missing the point to try to vote in laws of morality? Well, that's the, that's the, the way that this world operates. And so that's not what's going to bring about change. That hasn't happened in a long time. You know, the, the, the Roe versus Wade thing? There hasn't really been much change there. We tried to fight that fight the world's way for a long time. Go vote, go vote, go vote. No, what, what, what would happen if the church just did what the church is supposed to do? Be connected with heaven in a real way so that when I come across a woman who may be contemplating abortion, that I'm able to minister the love of Christ to her. Because remember, the evidence that the kingdom of God is present is that a life is transformed. And so if I can be real in the moment with the, with the, because, you know, y'all know we churchy, so we know how to put on our mask. But uh, how many of us, no, don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. But how many of us have been to a, been in a position, um, guys and ladies, where abortion was one of those things that kind of popped up like, man, if I, if I, um, I'll talk about myself. If I hid this, if I hid this from everybody by this, by, you know, this abortion, then... Uh, I'll get away with it. See, I, I actually was in that type of situation. God, you always messing with me. So I think I was like 19 years old, and and um, I was in church, you know, doing the church thing, young man in church doing music. I rapped at the time. I played drums, and, you know, I was like a rock star, Joe. You know, cute cute little chubby guy, you know what I'm saying? And I never really had much... Words or game, per se, but you know i just I just would make the awkward joke that would have the ladies like they liked me for some reason, like i'm not bragging, i'm just saying that's what it was. I really think it was like it was like they saw the the work of God in my life and and yeah, please play that because this will help me out here <laughs> so um and so I found myself in a situation where I had got involved with this with this young lady who was it really. At first was was something that was like I was just trying to encourage her, but she started liking me in a way that I was like, "Whoa, all right." <laughs> so you know, uh, I did the the do with her, you know, do the do, Mountain Dew. No, I'm not talking about Mountain Dew. And and she a, a couple months later sends me this message and says, "Hey, I'm pregnant." Um, and I had quit talking to her because man, I was like, I wasn't trying to be um. Dog-like, like I wasn't trying to just—is there kids in this room? So I wasn't trying to like hit it and quit it. That's not what I was trying to do, but I was so convicted by what I was doing. It's like, man, I can't, I can't mess with her like this no more. So I just quit talking to her. She had tried to give me, you know, come back over and stuff like that. I'm like, man, I, I can't do that. And so um, she tells me, hey, I'm pregnant, um, and and we go through this month months-long, you know, talk with one another about, well, what are we going to do? Well, man, I'm thinking, like, man, I got ministry. Like, what would people say if I just pop up with, a, with an illegitimate baby? Like, man, they looking at me like, first of all, I was licensed to preach at 14. So at 19, I was a licensed and ordained minister, and I had this crazy incident going on because of my foolishness. So the only thing that could come to my mind was, well, I guess we could get an abortion. And we talked about that. And, and as much as I wanted to say, like, it was her decision, it was so mutual. It was so mutual to get done. And, and after that whole thing went down, ended up getting the abortion, and, man, I was so broken. Like, I went through a six-month depression where, believe it or not, I was, like, skinny. Like, I'm talking skinny, skinny. Like, I was like a buck fifty. I'm like a hundred. I'm a hundred pounds more than that right now. (laughs) So depressed. The conviction was weighing on me. And the, the greatest thing that could happen to me is that, man, somebody found out. Woo, somebody found out. I felt like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulder because I was steady hiding this this mess because I knew like that's frowned upon in church. Like, dude, you a minister, you had sex with somebody outside of marriage. Of course I was not married at 19. So, well I wanna say of course, because some folks got married at 16. Maybe y'all right here. I saw how y'all looked at each other. <laughs> So I go through this, this, this phase, and I get found out, and, and you know, of course, I, I'm repentant. Like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sad because I got caught, but I'm also happy that I got caught because this weight is off my shoulders. And I can finally, finally, outside of this facade that I've been putting on my entire life, outside of this facade, I could just see God in a real way. The most amazing thing to me that could ever happen is in this moment where I was at home by myself in my room. I felt the love of God overshadow me. Say, son, I have not forgotten about you. This this reckless love that says you just committed what most people would call the ultimate sin, David, David. You, 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 got, you got Uriah killed and now there's a baby that's, that's, that's gone now because of you. The most amazing thing that can happen to me wasn't the condemnation of, of being in sin that took me to God. It was his love in that moment that caused me to say, God, I'm sorry. Because even in my lowest of lows, Your love for me hasn't changed. Yeah, I I, I was called to do ministry at at 11 years old, and you haven't changed your mind because I sinned? That was transformational in itself. And then to go to a church where there were some folks, if I'm going to be honest with you now, because I pastor this church now, so I'm going to be 100% honest. There were some folks that looked at me with disgust. And there was a couple of people who, every time they saw me, hey, God ain't forgot about you. Hug me, embrace me. God still loves you. He hasn't changed his mind about the call on your life. That's the most powerful thing that can happen. When we demonstrate the kingdom to people, we love people in a way to where sin is really not that big of a deal. Sin doesn't separate us from God. You know what separates us from God? Shame. The Bible says when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, that that wasn't the thing that caused them to hid. They hid because they were ashamed. And so God says that even when you sin, just just come, come to me, embrace me. That's what the agents of the kingdom should look like. That's how we transform the world around us. That we love people in such a way that they feel God's embrace when we embrace them. Not the condemnation of this institution that we built. This institution has called us to cause us to think about God in such a way to where if I do, if I sin, God doesn't see me. The eyes of God does not neglect the sinner. Matter of fact, The sinner catches God's attention in such a way, the Bible says, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that, but God demonstrated his love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. People of God, when, when we understand the love of God that way, how could we not demonstrate it to the world around us? See, this gathering is a collective of people who have been radically redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And since we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, there should be more people here who don't know him. There should be more people in this gathering because of what they've seen in our lives and how we've displayed the love of God to them that caused them to say, who is this Jesus that Joe's been talking about? Who is this Jesus that has transformed this person in such a way that every time I see them, there's just something on the inside that's just bubbling out and I can't help it because it's, it's contagious to me. Oh man, that thing's red. I think I'm supposed to pray now. people, let's let's demonstrate the kingdom of God to the world around us. Let's be the the embassy that God has called us to be. Let's be the agents of change that God has called us to be, not by speaking out these these, uh, words of condemnation to people, but demonstrating the love of God so we can see the transformation so that when other people begin to say, well, what's happening at that church over there? Well, um, let me tell you something I've been transformed since I've been coming you know I could tell you stories about how there's people that's been coming to our church my dad had started coming to our church y'all and I mean like we had a, a strange estranged I don't know how you said a crazy relationship like it wasn't together my dad wasn't in my life at the beginning and my dad is like 70 some years old I don't want to tell his story I'm sure he wouldn't mind but I won't because he's not here he's at our church right now praise God I had the opportunity of baptizing my dad and he began to tell me about a story when when he was like, man, since I've been coming to this church, it's just something about something about God that has been changing my life. Like, man, I went home, and and I poured out all my liquor. That was a big deal for my dad. That was a huge deal for my dad. It's like, man, I went, and I poured out all my liquor, and he told me a story about how he was in a— because, man, I'm going to put it like this. Papa was a Rolling Stone, right? So— <laughs> told me a story about how um, a a few months ago, a couple months ago, he was in this situation, you know, because he's single. So he was in this situation, and things were getting a bit heated in this situation. And in the middle of the situation, he tells the lady that's over, like, man, you got to go. The Holy Spirit that touched him in that moment. Said, you got to go. And in that moment, like, in the moment where, like, we got to get ourselves together, like, I hope you can get this picture without me being too vivid. In that moment, he tells her, like, we can't do this. You have to go. And then he invites her to come to church. (laughs) This is what transformation looks like. We should have countless stories like that in our churches, in our congregations, in our groups, our gatherings of people. There should be people that saying, hey, man, before I started coming, you know, I used to do this. I was doing that. But, uh, you know, or I did it every once in a while. But now, like, it's only, only one time a week do I smoke when it used to be every day. That's transformation. And nobody in the church is saying, man, you smell like weed. You gotta go put some cologne on. No, 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 no. We want you here. Please come, please come. Bring bring your weed with you. Bring it with you in the church. Bring it. Let's pray. They took the thing down. Y'all so nice, y'all. They (laughs) took the... (laughs) Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, we want to be a people that represents you well everywhere we go. Father, we want to be a people that demonstrates your love, your kindness to the world around us. Prick our hearts, God, in such a way that we'll begin to share the gospel. We'll share the good news with the people around us, and we'll see lives transformed, Lord, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our families. We'll begin to see the transformation that's the evidence of the kingdom of God. God, don't let us continue to build church as usual. Lord, tear up our usual. Rip out our usual, God. Tear down our usual and cause us, God, to be submissive. Committed to your spirit that we can see change every time we gather. Don't let us continue to be traditional in our thinking. Give us an expectation of seeing you every time we come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.